The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You know, Kurt, there's a lot of sports going on, a lot of sprats going on in the world right now, and... You know, we've got a Sixers game. We've got multiple hockey games. Just uh, a lot of stuff to enjoy right now. And I don't know how familiar you or the listeners are with uh, I Think You Should Leave, but there's one episode where they have this uh, competition of, (laughs) for lack of a better term, Little Buff Boys. And there's a song (laughs) in it that's, like, outrageously infectious where, uh, where they go like, Little Buff Boys. And... Like five minutes before the show started, uh, Embiid started going off at the end of a quarter, and I just started walking around the house going, Joel Embiid, Duncan and Bumpin, Dipper and Furker. Like, <laughs> just can't get that out of my head. It's just, it's. Yeah, so I haven't watched all of season two yet. We started getting into it, and I don't know. There were, there were. That show's very, I'm very hit or miss with that show, but like, that's by the same guy as the, um, who did Baby of the Year, right? Yes, yes, it's yeah. the same, and it's even the same actor in the sketch, yeah. Sam mm-hmm. Richardson, which is, yeah, yeah. It, but it's the same thing pretty much, but just a, a more infectious song that I sing around the house, like, I'll sing that song regularly, but now that I've got it as a theme song for Embiid, like, it's just, it's gonna happen every Sixers game, and Emily might kill me, she might I murder you, me. I think you can make it a thing, I think you can make it a thing with, with enough effort. Joel Embiid. So good. It's nice to enjoy like s- some sort of sport because, as we know, with, with the Flyers, it's just been straight misery for, for a couple months at this point. Just absolute misery. So, you know, I'm enjoying other hockey games. I enjoyed a lot of the Bruins-Avs game last night. I'm enjoying the Sixers for the most part. Like, it's nice to enjoy some sports. As, as a wise man said in a tweet a long time ago, imagine enjoying a sport in Philadelphia. We've got the one right now. Just, just the one. Just and it's the not one. the team we're about to spend far too long talking about, folks. No, it absolutely is not. And it's it's just the one who the one where we happen to get the bona fide superstar who is a lot of fun and a badass and gets it. But I will say, despite I I enjoyed parts of the Eagle season more than I should have. I I did want to mention because there's very flyperbole related content. That happened in the NFL playoffs, and that would be one Mr. Cole Beasley, Mr. Sorry Not Sorry himself, uh, Mr. I Will Not Get Vaccinated No Matter What, sadly did not advance to the AFC Championship, and it just happened in one of the most tragic ways possible. I actually feel bad for the Buffalo Bills and Bills Mafia, because this is just ridiculous, but as the statement I've written here is, 
Cole Beasley endured 80 stings worth of pain when the Kansas City Chiefs beat his Buffalo Bills despite having a lead with only 13 seconds left. Folks, this is how you become the president of the United Hate of America. So I, I think you know this, but um, uh, my my wife's my wife and her family, they're actually Bills fans. So last week, so like, you know, she's gotten more like her, she's gotten more from over the last couple of years, um, you know, as it became clear Josh Allen is actually a good quarterback, which surprised a lot of us. Yeah, I can't believe it. He's actually really yeah. good. And like this year, as the Eagles were a meandering team and the Bills were clear Super Bowl contenders, like she was clearly getting more into it. And like you could see and I could see like when they had some tough losses during the year, she'd be like as as someone who hadn't been that really hooked into sports before. Like she's a Mets fan, but there we weren't on the same side when they were in the World Series in 2015. I laughed at her when they lost. Um, But when but like when they lose games, she'd be like, why do you do this? Why do you get involved in sports? And I was like, <laughs> dear, if I could if I if I'd known. If I'd known 20 years ago when I started watching this, like 25 years ago when I started watching this, if I could take it back, I maybe would have. But now you're in and you're you're poisoned now. There's no there's no getting out of it. And like we watched that game the other day and like oh, to, be very, to be very clear, I was rooting for the Bills. Like I wanted them to win the Super Bowl once the Eagles were out. And like and she's, you know, we were obviously really upset about it. But then like a couple then a couple days later, it's like Tuesday or Wednesday. She's like when does this get better? I'm like, oh, it doesn't. It, it just doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't until you win a Super Bowl. <laughs> and then it gets immediately bad again. Like, you might have one year where it's like, okay, this is pretty nice. But then as soon as that team sucks again, you just are the most miserable prick in the world. It's just how it works. Yeah, there's, yeah, to a degree, definitely. Like, I've definitely been, and we, I think we talked about this as it pertained to the Flyers in one of the shows I was on recently. I've definitely been less miserable about sports since the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Oh, for sure. It takes some of the pressure off where... But at the same time, like, yeah, you, you still take losses poorly. And a game like that, I mean, are you... A game like that, are you kidding? 13 seconds left in the game. 13, 13 seconds. seconds. Like, as an Eagles fan who has experienced almost every type of heartbreak there is, I've never experienced a 13-second loss like that, where, like, it's a full kickoff, and the offense actually drives down the field and ties it. And, like, in 13 seconds, I've never, as an Eagles fan, had to experience that kind of heartbreak. And I've got to give her credit. Bill scored that touchdown with 13 seconds left, and, like, we celebrated, and it's like, they scored, and then she's, and then, like, she, like, real quickly, like, mellows down, and she's like, game's not over yet not celebrating yet i've been watching too much of this game this ain't over yet and like deep down kind of knew it just kind of knew some shit was still going down in that game oh man well that's how i felt during the eagles patriots super bowl oh yeah i legitimately still was terrified of a brady comeback and it looked like it was gonna happen even with that hail mary going up you're like oh my god they these pricks might still take this away from us yeah, I mean, when, you know, that last drive, they get the ball, or not the very last drive, but the one with the fumble, like, they get it back with, like, under three minutes left, and you're sitting there thinking, like, oh, God, this is it. This is, you can pinpoint the exact spot where his heart's going to get ripped out, and, like, you watch the play where he fumbles, because Tom Brady fumbled late in the Super Bowl, and, oh, like, wow. I watch the ball bounce right into Derek Barnett's hands, and, like, all the people I was watching with, it took us, like, three seconds to actually react to it, because we couldn't really believe that that was how this game looked like it was going to end. And like the whole time, like the whole, that first drive, you're like, Oh God, or that final drive that you're, they're like, Oh God, 
they're going to get a bet. They're going to, they're going to take the lead. We're going to lose. And our heart's going to be broken. And then he recovers the fumble and you're like, okay, I feel good now. Like, cause that fumble was the first spot. I feel really good. They go three and out. And it's like, all right, this is a long field goal, Jake. And if, you, and if it's like, okay, if he misses this, they're going to lose. If he misses this, they're going to lose. And then like he makes it eight point game. It's like, okay, I feel pretty good now. And then they get that one fourth down on the final drive. And I'm like, oh no, this is, this is how we get our heart. This is how we get the gut punch. They, they get a touchdown on like a Hail Mary, get a two. And like, you know, he throws it up, got Gronk sitting back there. And he's like, this is going to be it. This is, this is, this is the moment. And then it doesn't happen and they win. And we're like, oh my God, oh my God. The the thing didn't happen. We actually won. I've got a smile on my face just thinking about this. Cause like, I, I, I remember it so vividly. My living room filled with like a dozen people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my South Philly row home does not fit that many people. I was sitting on the stairs with a side view for the Super Bowl in my own home. Like it, <laughs> it was ridiculous, but it was so much fun. And so they, well, yeah, occasionally mm-hmm. you get those nice moments, and occasionally you get the extreme heartbreak. Like I feel like if there's one fan base that I can actually pity as a Philadelphia fan, it's Buffalo. Yeah. It used to be Cleveland, but then the Cavs actually won it with LeBron a few years back, who uh, notably had the Philly flu tonight and couldn't play against the Sixers. Just scared of Embiid. I get it. Scared of Joel Embiid. Yeah. yeah. Philly Fun flu, baby. Cleveland today. Cleveland. <laughs> um, not, not, not related. And it's not on the outline, but like all these – Does someone tweeted this a while ago, and I laughed a lot because it seems like it's true. Does Rob Gronkowski's agent just like – get him in all these commercials by saying, Hey, we got a gig for you. You're going to look like the dumbest person on earth. And you're going to talk like it for a few seconds. And he's like, I'm in, let's go, baby. Let's go. Cause how it's he, legitimately he's showing up in all these commercials, just being an absolute numbskull. And clearly it works for him, but like, what's the some, one for the credit union? The, yeah. us or was it, is that USA? No, that's the, that's the insurance for the military. And like, at some point, at, at some point you're, you're going to get it right. Like it, it's, Rob, what are you doing? <laughs> oh my god! Like he, this looks like the dumbest person in history, and he's like, "I'm all for it. I'm gonna look like it just I. I don't get it. I don't understand." By the way, we're having some fun in the Sixers game right now because Carmelo Anthony just got into it with a fan on the sidelines, and the fan Ooh. got booted. So I would love to know what is going on here. This is this is some classic Philly shit right here. I often forget that Carmelo Anthony is still playing basketball in the National Basketball Association. Yeah, and he's on the Lakers bench. Who would have thought? Yeah. I just, I I would love to know what happened here because this is just like such classic Philly shit. Like, you know, people always think about Eagles fans and, and Flyers fans as the troublemakers, but, you know, Sixers fans really can dish it out quite a bit. Like, I always think back to the the... The old the Russell older guy. fat man. Yes. The, the guy Russell with the guy. Yep. Fun yep. fact. I used to work with a woman who that was like her best friend's father. Like he's a <laughs> doctor and he's like a very nice man usually. <laughs> but he's just the Mr. Like double yeah, bird, I mean, you know? Yeah. Like the, like the screaming, remember the screaming Eagles fan who was like the Dean of admissions at 10. Like you, you sports just make us all stupid. <laughs> Especially in Philadelphia. Especially here. Like, think back to the most famous Flyers incident is the guy who tried to fight Ty Domi, which is still amazing. It takes a lot of some stuff and not a lot of other stuff. The latter mostly being brains. (laughs) (laughs) Quick editor's note. 
I found out afterwards that those Sixers fans were ejected for calling Carmelo Anthony boy. So fuck those guys. Enjoy the rest of the show. Seattle Kraken win their first overtime game and their first overtime win in franchise history over the Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh, how about that? And it's all because I decided to bet against them. So you're welcome, Seattle. A lot of the time this year, that's gone well. Yeah. Alas. No, I thought that was a lock. I'm like, oh, the Penguins at home against the Kraken should be an easy win. And I think all three teams. Oh, no. Okay. So the Lightning are going to win. I had a parlay where I bet on the Hurricanes, the Lightning, and the Penguins. And it looks like it looks like the Lightning are the only team of the three that are going to pull out the victory. Hockey's real dumb. I mean, this we, is we what say I get this for betting lot. on evil. Yeah. Yeah. Did Mark Donk score against the, the Penguins for the winner? Because I know... Assisted by Sidney Crosby's pet rock. <laughs> when we were When we were logging on and preparing to do the show the Kraken had just tied the game up and they didn't even have a goal scorer listed on the NHL app. It was just like a blank picture. Think to like the MLB players right now who are uh, on lockout that have the blank pictures up on Twitter because that's what they did to them on the MLB site. Like it's like that. Mm -hmm. And it didn't have a name or anything. So we're like, Oh, it must be Mark Donk. He got claimed in the expansion draft and scored against the Penguins. Whole team of Mark Donks, except they're not actually good. I just, I'll never understand how, well, I, I guess Sidney Crosby really is just one of the greatest of all time to make it work with just the pure shit he has had on the wings for most of his career. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I hate it. I hate it. And it's, it's mean. And I don't like that the Penguins just found a bunch of good players over the off season, but I, and it makes me angry about how Ron Hextall just couldn't find good NHL players news in Philadelphia. But I mean, Penn's been doing this shit for a decade. Don't know what to say. You know, Brian know Rust was the original Mark Donk. Cause, cause like that was the thing back in like the early part of the last decade, Penn's weren't a deep team. Like Crosby and Malkin were good, but like flurry would either be good or he just totally implode in the playoffs. The tang was still good then, but like they didn't have depth then and they'd burn draft picks for like Jerome Ginla, who was at that point in his career, not that good or like Douglas Murray or whoever the fuck. And, um, and like they just didn't have depth and starting like the middle of the decade, they just find randos like Brian Rust and uh, Jake Gens. I mean, Jake Gensel was a third round pick, I guess, you know, you have some degree of expectations for him, but like they just create these guys. They create a player them. And then you find Evan Rodriguez, who was like a solid player when he was in Buffalo. But then he um, but then, you know, he comes here and he's a no one the fucking rocket Richard. But it's I don't know, like. Why can't that happen to us? Like, just once. Just once. Just once. Just, just once. Someone that isn't supposed to be good comes here and is good. Like, no. I just want that one time. And by that, I mean ideally more than once. But if we can get it once, I'll... We couldn't even get... Like, I would have just taken Nolan Patrick being a serviceable 3C. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, if he ended up being like a 2C, that would have been disappointing, particularly given who went after him. But like, you know, a functional NHL player that would fit in any team's lineup. Like... <laughs> just, just give me that i mean it, shit. you know the the one time and we don't need to rehash this because i think we we've spilled enough virtual ink over this and we have we've talked about this enough on the uh, digital airwaves here like we don't need to complain about nolan patrick anymore we all know how we all feel about this mm -hmm. and we're all mad we all are not happy bobby clark's gonna go on 12 more podcasts to tell everybody about how he was the genius in the room no i don't need to talk Still about that anymore either it's on the well, sheet 
but we'll I'm get not... to we'll get to the the front office. It's still funny that you know Bobby Clark did that and everyone cheered him on, maybe correctly. And then the front office is like, yeah, so it's all Ron Hexall's fault. So Chuck Fletcher's going to stay. And it's like, whoa, 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 what? Um, but actually, you know, I, I feel like I need to be nicer. The Flyers do have their uh, their hidden gem, their diamond in the rough here. It's Jerry fucking Mayhew. How about that? <laughs> Jerry Mayhew. Gerald Mayhew, who is a guy that I, I think I saw pop up for the first time like two weeks ago. I, 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 was, do- I was putting together forecast notes and I looked at the lines and I said, Gerald Mayhew, who is that? I I had no idea. I'd never heard the name before in my life. It's the winter of Gerald, baby. Winter of Gerald, and you know More I talked about this a bit. <laughs> a lot of people are saying it. Winter of Gerald. I mean, like, I, and if you tune into little plug for one of my other podcasts, I just recorded a Phantoms Fix with with Maddie, and we talk about Jerry Mayhew there as well. Wow. But I mean, there's very few bright spots with this team right now so i think it's definitely worth mentioning mayhew a couple times and specifically i i attended the islanders game last week which might be the best game they played in like a month which is terrible because they, they lost it in overtime lost in a fucking shootout where they went oh and nine one of the worst shootouts i think of all time it was just we just it was so anticlimactic we were just sitting there like oh is this still going on i was almost relieved when it ended but my favorite part of that game was my dad thought that Mayhew's name was Mayhem. <laughs> He's like, oh, look at Mayhem there. And I was like, it's Mayhew, but I like Mayhem. I'll call him that. That's great. And then JJ said it the other night on the broadcast when he scored that ridiculous video game goal. And I, I'm really, you know what? He's not, he's not the best player, but he's got that hustle. He's got that heart. He's like Flyers Rudy. I'm into him. I mean, look, look. Like, I'm not sitting here saying the guy's, you know, an all-star or even a second liner, but like two years ago in the AH or yeah, two years ago in the AHL had 39 goals in 49 games. Like it is possible. Like he may just be a quad A guy who's having a little bit of a good time right now on a team that just has nothing, but like, it's possible he's a dude. It's possible he can play a little bit and like, you know, in other stints with Minnesota. And of course, all the players we get are from Minnesota. He, you know, didn't particularly impress, but I mean, he was a point of game guy in the AHL last year. He wasn't quite that with the Phantoms this year, but the Phantoms are terrible and also had injury and COVID problems throughout the year. So I wouldn't put a ton of stock into that. Like, it seems like he can play a little. He's definitely got some jump. Yeah, I mean, the line, I forget which of the two games it was this week. Um, I think it was Monday night where he and Frost and I think it was Wilman, which nominally if the team's fourth line was probably the best line that they had that night. He can play a bit, it seems like. I mean, if everyone's healthy, I don't know if he should be playing, but it doesn't seem like everyone's going to be healthy anytime soon. So why not? Yeah, why not? I mean, if... Let's ride the wave, and I'm personally, we're, we're going to get to this shortly, but I'm all aboard the tank train and the cell train fire sale all day. We're having a fire oh sale. Oh my God, we're having a fire sale. Yep, Tobias, we are going to have that fire sale, and I'm all about it. It's just, have that fire sale. Let's bring in some exciting youngsters. You know, I'm going to channel Tom McCarthy and go, look at these youngsters. It sounds like I'm 75 years old, but. Get some uh, youths. Get some youths, some youths, youths. It's, I, 
anybody with any ounce of excitement is good for this right now because, as we have said, this is a miserable time to be a Flyers fan. It's a tough team to watch. There's very little joy in Mudville. So to see a guy like Mayhew, you know, the methods of Mayhew is what I named this segment here on the sheet. But <laughs> oh, after a terrible band, terrible band, one of the worst I've ever seen in concert. But I it was at Ozfest. I didn't see them in particular. Okay, but I. I'm just happy he's here and having fun and doing stuff because the only other guy who seems to be doing anything on this team is Claude Giroux. Man, if you told us back in September, we'd be say we'd be pointing out Jerry Mayhew as one of this team's bright spots. I'd have had a lot of questions. Yeah. I mean, it, w- it was always possible. And like, you know, we may talk about this some when we talk about the press conference. It was always possible things could go wrong this season. But like, this is really wrong that Jerry Mayhew is our most shining bright spot 43 games into the season oh yeah, my goodness it's not right terrible. it's really terrible. terrible it it's just like it's really stunning how this season has worked out and how quickly it's dissolved into just garbage it's just unwatchable garbage hockey and it, it sucks that i have to say that it sucks that i can't even find i think i've been one of the the top optimists for the flyers over the past few years i can't find a silver lining this is all bad right now and as I said, I'm on the tank train right now. I think it's time to sell. I think it's, well, I say it's time to sell, but the trade deadline is for like two months, which is insane. My God. It's insane. I looked it up. I think it was, what, March 20th or something? It's like 22nd, I think. Oh, oh, we are just so here to suffer for another seven weeks. Unbelievable. Like, poor Claude Giroux is going to have to, like, suffer until St. Patty's Day or something at this rate. Yeah, and, and, we, and we originally thought we were going to get some time off here to watch the Olympics, but no. We have to play hockey then. Oh, oh my God. Good Lord. The Olympics featuring fly purpley legend Jordan Wheel. Oh, wow. I, I'm going to call his aunt up. We'll watch it together. We could have a oh live stream watching it with Jordan Wheel's aunt, who's a big fan of my writing. Incredible. Incredible story. Incredible. I still can't believe she got mad about my obviously fake story about Jordan Wheel being the problem with the Flyers. <laughs> Holy shit. That's, I think that that's was another bad season crowning achievement with broad street hockey like it could be that i interviewed bernie perrant it could be that i talked to danny briere no 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 no. it's that i made jordan wheels hand upset all you need is for a relative of mark friedman's to reach out and say that you're being mean and you'll have bingo oh they are just raring to go all i have to do is write something about cranberry or whatever the fuck they live leave it to Beaverland, and they're gonna get real upset yeah again again it's it's a mystery why mark friedman is comparing a you know a suburb of pittsburgh to the dirty quote-unquote dirty areas of philadelphia it's a real wonder why he did that (laughs) so this press conference oh we're gonna get into this press press conference conference. (laughs) oh god so the flyers have a they're currently in the midst of a historic 13 game winless streak right longest in flyers history longest in flat and it's it's you know call it whatever the fuck you want they've lost 13 games in a row yeah I'm going to call it a winless streak because that's technically what it is. But whatever. It sucks. It's bad. It's bad. Hockey is terrible. And Chuck Fletcher and Dave Scott decided to get out there and give a press conference. And apparently Dave Scott was a surprise appearance in there. My God, that's Dave Scott's music. And nobody really cares to hear it. And no offense to Dave Scott. He's just, he's not Ed Snyder. And I know a lot of people like to be like, why isn't Dave Scott Ed Snyder? Well, he just isn't. He just isn't. He doesn't. The name doesn't have heat on it, okay? So Dave Scott comes running out, and it's like, okay, well, at least that means they mean business, in a way. But 
I don't know. I feel like we heard so much of the same old, same old. They at least admitted that the season's been crap, which is good. They seem to heavily imply that Claude Giroux will be traded and is not a part of this core moving forward, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I mean, so I, I didn't watch the full press conference. I had some things yesterday, but I've, I've you know, seen some of the highlights, read through the whole transcript. Uh, if we reference it at any point on this uh, discussion, Bill Meltzer posted a transcript of it. So thank you to him for that. It seemed like they said a lot of things that are sort of that are hard to either, you know, tie together with either reality or other things that were said during the same conversation. Like, so again, they they heavily hinted that Claude Drew was going to leave they or get traded. Like they said, it's his choice, but, you know, let's call a spade a spade here. If Claude Giroux, and like, I don't mean this in a how dare he, he's not loyal kind of way, God forbid, anything but that, but if Claude Giroux really still wanted to be here and like knew from the start he wanted to be here no matter what, he decided to deal in the offseason. He just would have. And he did not because clearly he wanted to see how things went this year. And the Flyers are where they are. He That dude's going to get traded. And I mean, who knows for what? Who knows for how much? He has a no-move clause, so he's got a lot to say here. But it seems like he is going to get traded. And that's the right move. If you can get extra draft capital, uh, you got you know, you got to do it. And especially in a season like this. But I don't know. But I don't know how you go from that to also saying we expect to be good next year. I don't remember what the exact quote was, but it was basically we expect to contend next year in the same breath. And I, I just don't know how you do that unless you think that getting everyone healthy is going to solve everything. And, and not even, and it's not even just that, like you basically need, and this is something I'm working on writing. This is something I'm working on putting together for an article, but basically if you like what you think about what has to go right for the flyers to, as Dave Scott and Chuck Fletcher seem to think they will, what has to go right for them to contend next year? And it's basically everything that, you basically need everything that happened in 2019-20 to happen again, which is to say Sean Couturier is a Selkie caliber player as opposed to the, you know, competent top six center he has been this year, though obviously he's been playing hurt and when he's been in the lineup at all. So you need him to, you know, come back from injury at that level. You need Ryan Ellis to come back from injury at the level he was at when he was in Nashville and stay healthy. You need, you know, Travis Konechny to be the first line winger he looked like two years ago rather than the second line winger he's been since then. I know some people have decided that Travis Konechny is like not an NHL player. Guys, he's fine. He's having a bad year or he's, he's having a bad year and he's still like scoring. It's like a 50 point pace. Like let's he's chill. like let's the chill. third the guy's scorer a on this team. The guy's a second line winger on like any NHL team. The question is whether he can be a first line winger because that's probably what the Flyers need to contend. And like you can go through the rest of the line. You need Kevin Hayes to bounce back from core surgery and be a, you know, good to see again. You need to find more good players and, you know, how the Flyers do that with their current cap situation. I truly don't know. Like they need to have some things up their sleeve. Like maybe, maybe they've got some good hockey trade in mind. Maybe they, maybe they think they're going to win the lottery, which obviously there's only like a 20 some percent chance at absolute most that that's going to happen. It's probably not, but maybe they think something like that. Maybe they think they're going to get John hockey, which like, that sounds like a joke. It could happen, though. If, it could happen. You know, He's a free agent. Though if they look like, though if they look like this, and John Hockey's a free agent, he might not want to sign here. As much as it would pain his Flyers loving heart. Well, I guess the question would have to be: Is do they? Well, number one, they have to clear a significant amount of space. To they sign have four thousand like dollars of cap space. 
Yeah. $4,000 of cap space. Like, I went on Cap Friendly two days ago, and I tried to maneuver it to sign Johnny Hockey, because I didn't even realize he was free agent this offseason, to be honest. Uh, I did notice that half of the Penguins from, like, three years ago are uh, free agents this offseason, so I figured let's just sign them and really just make Pittsburgh mad, which would be hilarious, but <laughs> I digress. Uh, Johnny Hockey, I feel like the thing is, like, you would need to... A, clear out enough space to give him a competitive offer. And then B, like, you'd really have to make him a a guarantee or a promise that, like, okay, you're going to be the guy and we are going to focus this team around your needs and you being the guy, which is, you know, a a lot. And there's just so many things that have to fall into place. They have to sell so many pieces. They have to clear so much gap space. Chuck Fletcher's got a lot of work ahead of him, and I do not envy that man. And, like, don't get me wrong, Johnny Hockey's great, but he's turn he'll be 29 when next season starts like if you're bringing that guy in as your centerpiece and don't get me wrong still an incredible player but like if that's your the centerpiece of your franchise like you you got to have the other stuff in place like now and it's not clear the flyers do right i mean that's the situation we're just leaving with claude Giroux, presumably because claude Giroux has been the centerpiece of this franchise for uh just about a decade at this point and it has not worked. It simply has not worked. And he's still the best player on this team, as Chuck Fletcher pointed out. And mm-hmm. he's 34. And it mm-hmm. just, that can't be the case. You can't have a guy in his mid thirties be mm-hmm. your best player unless, you know, it's Sidney Crosby or something like that, which no offense to Claude. I love Claude, but he ain't Sidney Crosby. Yeah. And, and, you know, not that you're going to disagree with what I'm about to say here, but to clarify, I think what you just said, like, there were definitely there were points at Claude Drew's career in which you could win a Stanley Cup with him as your best player. It ain't that anymore. Like he is still a top line NHL player, but if he is your best player at this point in his career, I think as as Chuck Fletcher said, he was drafted 16 drafts ago, like 16 years ago. That can't like the idea surely when Ron Hextall took over was that he was going to find like the next generation. Cause like Paul Holmgren's tenure as GM, say what you will fun time for most of it. He, um, he didn't draft those. I mean, he didn't draft in the first round most of the time period. And Sean Couturier was the closest they got to that guy. And like, you know, at his peak, there are probably people who could, th- who think he could be the best player in a cup winner. Um, but he was certainly like, you know, a one C, but that was really the closest they got to getting like the next generation a player here. And I mean, shit, he's only five years younger than Drew for that matter. He was five drafted five years after Drew. You know, we, we harp on this. We talked about it a little already, but Nolan Patrick was supposed to be that. And he just wasn't. And, you know, when you and all their other draft picks have been not in the range where you find those guys. I mean, Ivan Provorov was the highest one. He was seventh overall. And I mean, right now he looks like a top four defenseman who is not a franchise cornerstone. And I mean, otherwise, you know, you've been drafting in the teens or the twenties. And like, that was always the risk with what Ron Hextall came here to do. And, you know, not to really go down this road, but you think about it. And like, we, we talked about this one of the times I was on recently, I think the show right after, a uh, big Al got fired. We talked about this and like Ron Hextall's draft record wasn't terrible for what he was given. It wasn't terrible. Well, and the thing is Hextall, like it, because he's drafting in the teens and also just because of yes. his, his attitude towards it, there is a certain ceiling, a, a pretty like, I would say a B plus 
at highest ceiling that he was really drafting with. Like if you look at right. a lot of these guys, you look at like his more successful picks, like the Sanheim, Farabee, Konechny type picks and Carter Hart, even to a degree, Carter Hart's probably got the highest ceiling of any of those guys. Mm-hmm. And as if you're looking at offensive talent, offensive firepower, really the highest guy you probably have is like Morgan Frost or Farabee. And right. they're both nice players, but they're just not, they're not that high end talent that you really need to succeed a Claude Giroux and yeah. become the best player on the team. Right. And yeah. So if you're, if your plan is don't bottom out, um, maybe you can make it work, but you've got to just absolutely nail the draft picks. And like we said at the time, you kind of have to get lucky sometime. He didn't. And then if you did, if you don't, then you really got to nail all of those picks or like you got to get lucky later in the draft. And he by and large didn't like his, Ron Hextall was here for five drafts and those drafts, his first round picks were 17th, 7th, 24th, 22nd, uh, 2nd, 27th, 14th, and 19th. You're not going to find, I mean, the second, if you bust on the second one, which he did, you're not going to find another star, like a franchise changing player in that group, unless you're getting really lucky. And at that point, like if you don't do that, the only way you're really going to take that step is if you just nail every pick. And he clearly has not. Like, German Rubsov probably ain't that dude. Jay O'Brien probably ain't that dude. All these other guys that are here, like Morgan Frost has disappointed this year. I'm not all the way out on him, but, like, he need, he it's disappointing he hasn't shown more. Granted, you know, everything is burning around him. Um, and all these other guys look like solid NHL players who should not be within like the three or four best players on your team. And due to the way things are set up now, they kind of have to be. And like, that was always the risk of what Ron Hextall did and, or and of how he tried to thread that needle. And it's a big reason why we're here now. Yeah, absolutely. Right. It's a big reason why we're here now. It's just, yeah, it sucks. And I, I at least like, that Chuck Fletcher came out and, and acknowledged that was an issue and that it is tough to find that kind of player. I, I really do wonder what they're going to do about it. And I don't know. I think other than that, though, I didn't really find too much new and wondrous about this, this press conference right here. Uh, any other takeaways you really had based on what, what Chuck Fletcher or Dave Scott said? Yeah. I mean, not to let Dave Scott off the hook, but as as has been pointed out, like say what you will about what an owner should be, but like if you can get past for a second the fact that he is not Ed Snyder and that Ed Snyder's exist so rarely in sports nowadays, and if we set aside even within that conversation, set aside that Ed Snyder, when he got involved, it wasn't always the best thing. Hello, Ibrahim Galov. I mean, the closest comparable I can think of in another sport to Ed Snyder is Jerry Jones. I, I was I was sort of thinking Al Davis, but Al Davis is also a great competitor. They're honestly, it's all the same thing, right? It, like these are owners, uh, or I guess an Ed Snyder. Yeah, no, I wouldn't say he was involved with Jerry CEO. Jones because Jerry Jones is legitimately the general manager of that team as well. But like Al Which Davis, and in, in that like you shape the franchise around, like you know, the franchise was sort of shaped around what you wanted it to be for a long time, and like owners like that just rarely come around anymore partly because the people who buy sports teams nowadays are you know people who are in it for money like they just are you know like josh harris from the sixers there may have been a point where ed snyder was that but like it clearly became 
you know, this was clearly, you know, a, a passion project for him. You know, it w- this was something he cared about with like more than anything in his life. And owners like that just don't exist anymore. Like it's so rare that like you singularly see a, you know, an owner who, you know, tries to be his team, like tries to be the face of his team the way that Ed Snyder was. Like, I don't know who else, who else ran sports like uh, George Fuck, Mark Cuban, maybe. I don't know. Mark Cuban, I think, is is one of the few who are very notable today. And yeah, by the way, yeah. with Dave Scott, we also have to point out he is not the owner of the Philadelphia Flyers. He is the CEO. Like he is not he is not the sole owner of the Philadelphia right. Flyers. It is Comcast. Dave Scott is a spokesperson for Comcast that deals with the team and manages the team, mm-hmm. but he is not like an owner. Like and even Ed Snyder in his later years wasn't. He was the chairman, but like it's he still had that ownership but like Mm -hmm. george steinbrunner mark cuban like obviously george steinbrunner had passed but um there's not really that many people nowadays like al davis's son mark davis with his prince valiant haircut what is that hair man is that hair he is rich he should be getting great haircuts i get good haircuts for like 30 bucks so why is this rich man not get anyway i digress yeah He, he definitely looks like somebody who was dropped on his head a few times what i didn't say that but Mark Davis, honestly, is one of the more visible owners nowadays. Jerry Jones is obviously still around and being a piece of shit. Um, who, I, I, there's not really that many other people. And hockey in particular, uh, there really is nobody that you can compare to Ed Snyder in hockey that I can think of. Now that I, I, I feel like I'm maybe missing someone, but I might not be. And like... But to circle back here, so if you if you're willing to acknowledge that you're probably not going to find another Ed Snyder because anyone who would buy the team is not an Ed Snyder, like just, like there aren't billionaires. Kurt, st- what if we just took you know what if Comcast decided to sell the team <laughs> and allowed the fans to choose the new owner of the team? One of the craziest things I have seen. Written I, I, I love I love I love the internet. But okay, so as I as I keep like getting I keep getting sidetracked by myself to say this, but like set aside that you're not going to find another Ed Snyder. Okay, setting that aside, like what Comcast does is they open up the checkbook and at you know as they said yesterday, like they you know they made the comment about having a blank check, and if you understand that they weren't talking about the salary cap, which means they obviously they can spend eighty one and a half million dollars on players. Like they're willing to spend on other things like scouting, like their analytics department, things like that. They're, they, you know, have an open checkbook for that stuff. And they, and Dave Scott, it seems like is largely willing to let the hockey people make the decision. So if you want to question Dave Scott, it's, you know, for not being Ed Snyder, which again is just not really a, you know, he's not going to win that battle. And if that's, and if that's your standard, there's probably no coming back from that. You set that aside. If you want to criticize Dave Scott, it's because you don't think he's picking and listening to the right guys. And maybe you don't like, maybe you, maybe you could look at this and say like, he like Chuck is selling him, you know, Chuck's selling him snake oil at this point, get him out. Like he's got to be able to see that. Or like he, you think he should be angrier, should be more willing to, you know, hold people to account for what's happened this year. But, you know, purely from an ownership perspective, like, I don't know unless you want him to fire Chuck Fletcher and he hasn't, I don't know what more you'll want. And that's not to say he's doing a bang up job, but like I mostly want to not have to think about my owners. That's the thing. I mostly want to not have to think about them at all. And the only reason we're thinking about Dave Scott is because we kind of want Chuck Fletcher to get fired. 
Like, that's the only reason we're talking about him. Even Ed Snyder, like, one of the last big splashes I remember Ed Snyder doing was the Ilya Brizgalov move, which was a disaster. A disaster that this team will be paying for for at least five more years, and which is wild to me. But So funny. God. You know, like, I, I, I that's still a stunning move to me. But going back to Dave Scott and his role and everything, Dave Scott's really only had one hire, and that's Chuck Fletcher, because... Yep. As many people seem to willingly forget, Ron Hextall was Ed Snyder's pick to take over. Ed Snyder wanted Ron Hextall to try something new with the club. And I know people act like Ron Hextall is like a, just an all-time villain for the Flyers, but Ron Hextall tried something new and it didn't work. It's that simple. He tried something new, didn't work. And the Flyers need to do something new because... The Flyers have not won a Stanley Cup, and we all know this, since the mid-70s. Oh, wow. But this franchise is, like, they've needed to evolve for a long time. And Dave Scott can't just write write checks, right, and, and pay money to get the Flyers out of this. That's what they used to do. They can't do that. They spend up to the cap every year. They do. And... It's not about that. You have to be smart within the confines of the cap because the NHL cap is not like the NBA cap or the NFL cap where you can get creative and do weird shit like Paul Holmgren did to a degree. But like, it's pretty strict for the most part. And you really can't like, it's not baseball where you just have to simply spend over a limit, right? And pay extra money. And the Phillies just refuse to do that. It's not that. It's not like they're cheaping out. Like, they just... They just fired Elaine Vigneault, who they're going to pay millions of dollars to for a couple years to not work. Like, this is a, a clearly they're willing to spend money. And I think Chuck Fletcher is a smart guy. I think he's a good hire. I, I don't necessarily know if he's the right guy for this next phase of the Flyers. I think it's also like Ron Hextall, where he was well-intentioned. And I thought he made a lot of uh, good, interesting moves, but it just hasn't worked out. I, but... I don't think that's like severe incompetence on Comcast's part. And yeah, they're not as personal about it as Ed Snyder, but like who is, as you said? Yeah. And, and, you know, and we can move on from this here in a minute, but like, if you want to talk about, you know, is he straying from the, is the franchise like straying from the flyers way? It's important to note that like he has senior advisor, like people he listens to that are like longtime fixtures of this organization, including, you know, the greatest flyer of all time, Bobby Clark, who is still in the front office and still like, a significant part of the front office from what it sounds like. So, you know, as he's going out and shit talking the old guy, like, remember, he is still like part of the group that's making decisions. And like you have plenty of guys like that that are still around and, you know. And a point that was made on not this not this week's BSH radio, which is very good, you know, came out earlier today. They talked about it on a, they talked about the press conference basically the whole time. Um, worth listening to, though, if you're here, I'm sure you're listening to that already. But as they talked about last in last week's episode, um, you know, Mike Sealski, we've made fun of him a lot because he has a, a lot of bad opinions. But, you know, when Craig Berube came here and he started talking about a cult and Mike Sealski was the guy who was banging the drum about all this culture change shit. A lot of people agreed with him and somehow now we've swung all the way in the opposite direction. Now that Ed Snyder is gone, a lot of people have swung all the way in the opposite direction because things aren't working. And like, we want to go back to how it was before when Ed Snyder was here. And yet eight years ago, we all like 
people wanted him, you know, people thought that the Flyers needed to abandon what they were before. And now that we're losing differently, they think we need to go back to what we were before. It all just sucks because we're losing and we want to, fu- and when you, lo- and when you're losing, you say we got to do things differently. And whether that's what it was before or something new, I don't fucking know, but we're all going insane from this season. And the last five and really the last like 10. We've been going insane since Yager <sighs> left, basically. Yeah. Only other thing that was interesting that I wanted to point out, a lot of Danny Briere talking there, huh? A lot of Danny Briere conversation in that uh, in that presser. Oh, wow. Yeah, there was. And what do I have on that? I think it's from 32 Thoughts. Uh, yeah, so this is mentioned. I have a bunch of notes from 32 Thoughts from the past couple weeks because we did not do a fly purpley last week. And... Let's see. I think this is from this week's where it was a Friedman pointed out Danny Briere set Daniel Briere set with Flyers GM Chuck Fletcher and assistant Brent Flair during Monday's three to one loss to Dallas. Now that he's not going to Montreal, there could be an increased role in Philly. So that that was the whole note on that. So that's interesting. And there is a lot of talk of him and he could be a guy that. It could be, I mean, he's obviously been groomed for a while, and I was a little surprised he didn't get the Montreal job. Yeah, I mean, he even speaks French. That's 90% of the job up there. Wild. Still wild. That's only a little bit of an exaggeration. Can I also point out that uh, Slam and Sammy, our friend of the show, we did a whole tribute to him a couple weeks ago. It's a beautiful thing. He asked Dave Scott about attendance because of course he did. And, you know, Dave Scott came in and mentioned a number I mean, that's, of factors. On, and, its, on its merits, that's not a ridiculous question. I guess. On, who on gives a shit? I, I, I don't know. It's like such an obsession. And I just, I'm so sick of it. I don't care. But Dave Scott, of course, then goes and mentions a number of factors and mentions the vaccine mandate as if that did it. And that just, I, I think listeners will know I'm passionate about this, about vaccines and masks and everything and keeping yourself safe from COVID and all that. And I think this vaccine mandate has been very good. Uh, I felt much safer at this most recent Flyers game I went to than the previous ones. And yes, I know COVID can still be spread uh, to people that are vaccinated. And I know how the science works on that. So shut up. But I just wanted to point out the Sixers are averaging 20,288 fans a game, second in the NBA behind Chicago, 107 percent capacity the flyers are averaging 17,230 fans a game 13th in the nhl 88.2 percent capacity and it does look a lot emptier than that that's for sure but it's not the fucking mandate guys it's the team playing shitty hockey who wants to pay what hundreds of dollars to attend a hockey game to see a bad team nobody does no no and yeah i mean you noted in here like the sixers under the same mandate, and it doesn't seem like they're having quite as much problems because they're good. They're good. They're playing good basketball. And different different are... fan base. Different fan base that might be more willing. But I mean, I guess, but like, but like, also they're good. You know, I've the seen Flyers the Sixers were, yeah, stands. Yeah, you when know, the Sixers I say are that. Bad. If, I say that, but if the Flyers were good, people would go. People would go. It's the old like, if you, as I noted, if you build it, and it being a good roster, they will come. And it's like, yeah, it's like half empty. We've seen the Sixers during the process. Those stands, there were like 10 people in it. When you could buy it. a whole row of seats for four cents. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Still, uh, Danny and Mark with uh, the the heroic effort to chronicle Legendary. buying. Legendary right there. My, my former roommate was part of that, which is still funny to me. But I, I it's just like, 
just shut up <laughs> that's all it came down to shut up uh otherwise like i thought the comments were fine from fletcher and scott my question for you kurt oh boy. is do boy, you boy. think that chuck fletcher is the general manager of the philadelphia flyers this time next year this time next year yeah i i honestly kind of thought that they might like go in another direction but they seem unwilling to do that i guess we'll see what happens the rest of the year but i do think that yeah, I do think so. How short of a leash does he have? Good question. I mean, if the you know if the if the front office really and ownership really thinks that like this team is where it is because like it needs more talent, but like thinks it is where it is because of injuries and with just a little bit more talent this summer they'll get there. Like, if it doesn't happen next year, what do they do? Like, I don't know. I feel you feel like his seat would be more hot, but also, and this is something I I discussed. Yeah, I was talking about a couple days ago. Like, if the front office has become convinced that Ron Hextall poisoned the well, whether because he made it, you know, he made them stray from the Flyers' way or whatever the fuck, or because <laughs> more likely because he just didn't pick enough good players or find enough good players during his time here, then maybe they think Chuck should get a little bit longer a leash to untangle that mess. But, like, this time next year, yeah, I think so, probably. I don't know if, like, if, you know, if next year isn't a meaningful step forward. I mean, then it's three straight bad years. I feel like at that point you kind of had to pull the plug, but what do I know? Yeah. I mean, it's it clearly Danny Briere time at that point. Hey, I like it. He's getting like groomed. It. He's getting I groomed. I like it. Yeah. I don't know. I'm into it because it's at least somebody with a new perspective, but of course he's played for the Flyers, which means he can't do it. It means it's uh, same old business. It means culture change ain't happening. <sighs> yeah. Seal Team Six says culture team. Love it here. <laughs> I don't think I've heard that one. I don't think I've heard I, that. I, I just threw that out there. That's the a first good one. Time. Yeah, thank you. I like that. Thank you. Sailski Seal Team Six. Team. <laughs> now what? What's the better slogan for the rest of the season? Is it play wrong for right, or is it shit the sheets for Savoy? Um, the former. I think the. I, I like. I mean, I like the idea for the latter, but I don't know. It's a little, a little too wordy. A little, too, a little wordy. too wordy. Wrong for right, I think, is it's nice and to the point, and you know, it's catchy. It's hey. a good hashtag. Because they're gonna have a chance for him. They're gonna yeah. have a chance. They're gonna have a chance. And I mean, look, where else is he gonna go? Arizona in their five thousand seat arena. Oh my god, that was news that came out today that they were exploring p- playing in what was it the University of Arizona's Arizona State University Arizona yeah. State. Okay, it's not uh, pizza by uh, it's. It's not pizza by Alfredo. It's Alfredo's Pizza Cafe. I get it. So, but regardless, they're investigating because they can't afford rent on their current building because nobody Which wants to see just, the fucking Arizona oh Coyotes. God. They're looking at playing in a 5,000 seat arena. And it's just insane to me that Gary Bettman will not like move this franchise. I want it to work there, but it just like every time it seems like it might, it just fucking doesn't. And like it sucks. And I want it to. Like it's a it's a great market if you if they can make it work, like, you know. I mean, it's fuck what like the sixth largest market in the country or something like that. I, like, I it, technically you know, just had... surpassed Philadelphia because they. I read it was because of sprawl. Fuckers. Yeah, they have all this just this huge sprawl area that they call yeah. Phoenix. Yeah. So that's you know that's what it is. They don't even play in Phoenix. Give me a break. They can play anywhere. But Vegas too. Let's do it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I want it to work. It it just increasingly doesn't look good. 
5,000 seat arena. Like they're going to be, do they even have, and it's going to look really bad when that doesn't sell out. Like let's, let's be honest here. It's just a disgrace. But the, the coyotes just, despite having some of the most fun jerseys in NHL history, because those are fantastic jerseys, but Mm -hmm. it's just not work. It's never worked. It's never going to work. And apologies to Austin Matthews. Who's pretty much the only hockey player to really come out of that market because of the coyotes in particular but like otherwise if you count sean couturier which we probably don't he was born there and then he you know moved yeah but he probably moved because there were no coyotes yeah really i guess they were just starting out how old is sean couturier he's almost 30 right he's i think he just turned 29 okay and the coyotes came in what 96 i want to say uh that sounds about right so yeah, he, he, he bestie was like a little baby, right? I can't do math. How does math work? Um, yeah, nineteen ninety six. Good call. Yeah, so he wasn't around. Like the Coyotes didn't exist to influence Sean. That's why he bugged out at Phoenix. They were like, this this baby, this child we have just produced is going to be a hockey player. So to Canada we must go. <laughs> oh boy. I mean, I, I hope things work out, but it increasingly just looks like they won't for no. that for that franchise. No. Well, maybe they can... Maybe they'll bring them to Philly. We can have a second team. They can both suck. It'll be great. Maybe they'll shit for Shane. Shit for Shane. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Oh, my God. So, I, I have a bunch of other notes from the 32 thoughts because, of, you know, the Flyers are interesting because they suck. Uh, and they could potentially interesting be in a selling. Bad way. Interesting in a bad way. So, a couple notes here. Uh, first one here. If Philadelphia had been willing to take a late round pick for Martin Jones, it's possible he would already be an Edmonton Oiler. But the Flyers wanted something better and felt the market will strengthen as we get closer to the deadline. So that, that's interesting that Martin Jones is already being fished over and might be a potential trade piece and makes a lot of sense. He's been better than expected here this year. And I, I don't, I feel like you could plug Sandstrom in or somebody and you'd be just fine. Yeah. I mean, this was interesting. And like reading the rest of what he said, like he said, he doesn't want to trade his first rounder. And I mean, I cannot imagine that like, that was seriously in conversation for Martin Jones. I, I just can't imagine that. No. Um, but like, I mean, if you're getting, if you can get even just like a mid rounder for him, like, I mean, it says here, if they'd be willing to take a late round pick. So let's assume that's like a six. Let's assume that they were offered a six for Martin Jones. A six or a and seven. And they yeah. said no. So like, how, how much do they think they can get for him? Cause like, again, there's a decent list of guys in here that, um that are on this, that, you know, are, in this uh, thought here by, by Alec Freeman, uh, Georgiev, Holtby, Vilihuso, uh, Hudobin, Corpusello, Vanacek, Varlamov. Like, there are a lot of names on that list. And I mean, I guess I like you might still be able to. Yeah, Jones. I mean, you might. I mean, you know, Jones has flexibility and that, you know, he, you know, is an, is an expiring. Like, he might be an upgrade over some other teams, some current backup situations. But, like, I feel like you're getting greedy if you think you're going to get a whole lot more than that. Who knows? I could be wrong. Like maybe that he's got a, maybe Chuck's got a good sense for the market, but maybe he doesn't. But yeah, I mean, if you can, and we'll talk more about the other folks you can sell, but if you can get like a really a five or above for him, I think you just take it. And yeah, I'm not, I am on record as not the world's biggest Felix Sandstrom guy, but at this point who fucking cares? 
who cares if you really want to dedicate a backup? I'm sure there's going to be a guy next year. It's all about getting draft capital right now. And I really like, this is why I'm bringing up the, the sale stuff already, the fire sale stuff, because I really do want the flyers to sell as many of these guys for assets as they can. I felt like the flyers really made an effort in the off season to get character guys in here and a few older guys that they really could use to to try and get over the hump and make a better locker room and environment. And it just has not worked. It has not worked nope. between injuries and also just the hockey has not been good. It has not been good. So because that hasn't worked, I feel like and they also have a lot of expiring contracts. So there's just a lot of guys to sell right now. And if you really want to do a quick rebuild, what was the term that Chuck used? It was like a aggressive retool, an aggressive retool. If you want to do an aggressive retool, it's about having draft capital, things that you can move in either trades or just drafting guys and building up the system again and taking some risks on guys. More picks you mm-hmm. have, the more risks you could take. Yep. So Jones is one. Um, you've got a few other guys. And again, as we sort of said with Drew's the most prominent and obviously important case, but it's hard to align. We like our team and we think this team can contend next year with, we want to sell off all our, uh, our UFAs, unless you think you bring them back in free agency, which rarely ever actually happens. But it, you know, there are other guys out there, most notably a, um, a certain large right-hand shot defenseman. Yeah, who the Flyers paid a pretty penny to get in the first place, Rasmus Ristolainen, who, if this guy is not signing here, and there's another Elliot Friedman thought on that, mm-hmm. you really have to move on from him. Like, you yep. have to have a good sense, and, you know, thankfully there's a little bit more time to figure it out, but, I mean, I, I think listeners of this show, and all apologies to the Rist Alliance on this, but I think listeners will know we're not the biggest fans of this guy, and... Uh, the note from, I think this was two weeks ago on 32 Thoughts, uh, Friedman said, 13, Dallas has increased efforts to move John Klingberg in the minds of everyone involved. It's time. 14, another unrestricted defender to watch is Philadelphia's Rasmus Ristolainen. There was a time this was headed in the direction of the player testing the market. We will see if it changes. So that was two weeks ago, and that kind of seemed to imply that there might be a chance the Flyers sign him. And I almost feel like we we feel like it's headed the other direction at this point, which if Ristolainen wasn't very happy with his experience in Philadelphia so far, I don't think anybody would blame him. No, of course not. I mean, he was in Buffalo for eight years. He has no reason to have particular alliances to Philadelphia. I mean, he seems like a good dude, seems like they like him, but he has no reason to have you know, loyalty to this city or this franchise. And I mean, if I were him, I I watch what happened in my one year here. I'm like, didn't I just leave this? Yeah, I mean, if I I think if I were him, I'd tell the Flyers it's going to take some exorbitant amount of money for you to pay me. And like, I just, we just had to hope Chuck Fletcher does not take that as a challenge because like, I think he knows that after giving up a one and a two last summer, you can't let that guy walk for nothing. And like Fletcher said in the presser yesterday, like we traded for him with the intent of re-signing him. Of course, you also traded for him with the intent of competing this year. And that shit ain't happening either. So you, again, like they, there's a number, hopefully a number they have in mind. And if he isn't willing to meet it, then yeah, you got to trade him. And I mean, again, the, for the same reason that they gave up a lot for him, they could get a fair amount back. I don't know that they could get everything back that they traded for him. 
it's very feasible you could get a first round pick for him and maybe another pick. Like absolutely possible. I would take a second back for him. I was just like so upset at how much they gave for him in the first place. And what are your thoughts on how Ristolainen's look? I know we talked about him early on when it was a little bit more like he had his staunch defenders and he had uh, his people that really hated him. And it feels like the, the takes on him have cooled a lot and haven't quite met in the middle, but you know, that certainly isn't as divided as it was. Eh. Once a week on Twitter, an argument, a big argument breaks out about wrestling switch line. And I just like, uh, here's what's going to happen. Uh, and like, I, I am announcing this now that if the flyers do trade wrestling switch line, and I will say what I'm about to say, which is give my opinion on him in one tweet. I will turn off replies for that tweet. I will mute any conversation and I will never talk about the guy again. Cause God bless him. I just don't want to do it anymore. But since you kindly asked, um, he's probably been like, an, I don't know, like a number five, like a, a number five caliber defenseman this year. Like he hasn't been the problem. He's probably been a little better than I thought he would be. I would not by any stretch say he's been great. I would not say he's been like a no doubt second pair guy. He's certainly not worth a one and a two to have the guy for less than a year. He has not been terrible, but I, you know, he has, he definitely has like visible defensive gaffes while he's out there. And like the idea that he's, you know, this, this reliable defensive presence seems silly at the time. And if that's what you're watching, when you watch him, we're just not watching the same hockey games. Like he is a risk taker and sometimes that's fun to watch, but like he gets caught out of position a lot and it's, it's not what you'll want from that guy. So like, is he, is his game without, you know, redeeming qualities? No, he can, he can play some. He's probably in being out of Buffalo has made him look better but in my opinion but i still would not like on a good team where he isn't asked to do much and where you can like settle him down and maybe like get some bad traits out of him like get some you know some of the bad behaviors that were sort of ingrained into his um his mind in buffalo out of him he might be like a number five i don't think that i mean but it's hard to move off of where, you know, where I had him coming in, which is like, if this dude can be a competent third pair defenseman, that's good. I wouldn't call it a win given what the Flyers gave up for him. Obviously you're not giving up a one and a two for a competent third pair defenseman, but like relative to my expectations, that's fine, but that's also not even close to good enough for what they gave up for him. And that's why you kind of have to deal him if you can. Yeah. I think at this point it's about recouping a little bit of the loss. Like you, it, it was worth it to kind of give him a test drive, right. And see if this is the guy that you really think he is because most GMs, at least old school GMs will look at him and look at his raw physical attributes and just see his fear, you know, his pure size and say, holy shit. And he's a right-handed shot and he can, you know, he can pass a little bit. He can shoot a little bit like, oh man, this is a unicorn. This is like an amazing player. And it just doesn't translate like you would think it was just based on what you see on paper. And I'm not talking about statistics. I'm talking about like his actual physical attributes. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, he, you know, again, you see why some folks like him. But if you really watch, I think there are there are obvious warts in this game. Like, again, the, the risk reward balance isn't always right with him with and without the puck on the stick. So I don't know. He's not terrible. He's not terrible. He's not terrible. I was saying this to Maddie on the Phantoms podcast that the one thing I want him to do 
is clear the goddamn crease. And that's the thing he does not do. And it drives me insane. Because all I want out of a big physical guy, or there's two things I want out of a big physical defender. I want him to, you know, hit guys, which he does do. Maybe not, maybe not as bone crunching as I thought it was going to be. If I'm going to, you know, pull my caveman brain out for a minute. like No body bag, hey, am I right? Oh, micro hits body bag, hey. Not that, you know, the the wrist alliance maybe is not is shuddering in the stands from the, the physical dance. Like, sometimes he lays a guy out big time, but, like, I was expecting some more, like, 90s level hits from him, and I'm not really seeing that. I mean, he lays guys out, don't get me wrong, but, like, okay, so that's one thing you want. The other thing I want, I want the crease to just be a high danger area for offensive players who are trying to post up. I want him to kick those guys' asses out of the crease. You get out of Carter Hart's way. Carter Hart owns this crease, and I'm the bouncer, and I'm pushing it. And it it ain't what happens. It just isn't what happens. That's all I want from him. Nope. I'd give him $6 million based on that if he did that, but he doesn't do that, so he ain't getting shit. And yet. I don't want to give him $6 million. And he's going to get, like, there's a very real possibility that he's going to make a contract in the 7 to $8 million range. Dear God. Yeah, and you're not wrong either. My goodness. It's stunning. It's stunning. And if you can trade him now and not pay that price to... Because that's a big cap hit. And we've mentioned the cap a few times because cap is so core to building up a good team. And if you're spending a large chunk of that cap on Rasmus Ristolainen, your hockey team is not going to succeed. No, doesn't seem like it. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't feel like I need to dunk on the guy anymore. Like I've made, I've made my opinion clear. Like he's a, he is an NHL level player who is not as good as a lot of people think. So it goes. If he made like three and a half million, I think it would be perfectly fine because then you could put him on like the bottom four pairing, you know, and you wouldn't have to think about him. Like if he honestly played like Justin Broad a little bit more, I'd be pretty happy. Yeah, no, again, he's a he's a risk taker who people have convinced themselves is like a solid stay at home defenseman. And it's just not a skate, but he's taking risks on dumb. The shit. end result like, is he's not great at either side of the equation. What drives me nuts is he takes risks to like hit guys. And it's like, yeah, no, don't do that. Like, if you're going to take a risk, take a risk like fucking Keith Yandel, which is like <laughs> Keith Yandel's one risk is like, oh, I can get this. I can pinch and get this buck. Oh, no, it's going the other way. And <laughs> oh, I've given goal. up a shorthanded goal. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, congratulations to Keith Yandel on the Iron Man. I would really like to trade him tomorrow. Man, hey, look, man, at this point, if you want to tank, again, I'm not trying to be mean, but if you want to if you want to lose games, keeping that dude in the lineup ain't the worst thing in the world. <laughs> He, I, he just seems like such a nice guy yeah. and a positive influence. He thanks his goaltender. Kevin Hayes' he best says, friend. Sunk. And I just, he's just not He's just not good, good at things. No. Okay. He's good. He can still shoot the puck and pass pretty well. But that defensive side, him and Eric Gustafson could just, you know, they're Spider-Man pointing at each other defensive oh skills wise. Yeah. Yikes. Oh, yeah. That's true, isn't it? Um, but no, if you can get something for Keith Yandel, you do, which I think brings us to the next part of the outline here. Our tradeability tiers for yes. your mind, our Philadelphia Flyers. Yes, and I decided to make the... I, at first, I was going to rate each player on a, a scale, a classic fly purpley scale, but then I said <laughs> a tiers was the way to go. And we've got three tiers here. We've got the, uh, the, the shut it down tier, which is, uh, of course, named after 
John Taffer coming into a bar that's not doing its job well and saying, shut it down. So that means it's not happening or shouldn't happen. And then there's the needs more donkey sauce tier, which is uh, I can be sold on this, but I don't know. Or it's unlikely to happen. So the the Guy Fieri special. And one more Guy Fieri, which is the the trip to Flavortown, which means make it happen, Chuck. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a slam dunk, like, awesome trade that will happen. But it means that it's it should happen or is going to happen like it's or seems I'd like likely, it to. <laughs> or i'd or i'd like it to there's quite a few i would like it to that i've listed here and uh, uh feel free to object wherever you see appropriate kurt but uh i think we'll agree on most of these looking at it we may have a couple points of discussion here but generally speaking yes so let's 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 run through these all right so so starting it off with the john taffer memorial shut it down tier it's sean couturier carter hart Ryan Ellis, and I have Wade Allison in here. You could move him in the donkey sauce for me, but I have him here just because I don't think you're getting anywhere near his value, and he's always hurt, so who fucking knows? But Couturier just signed a big contract. Your best two-way player, still young enough, also hurt, and probably out for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Carter Hart, potential franchise goaltender. You know, he's had some lumps, don't get me wrong, and last year was obviously an atrocity, but I feel like he's bounced back well this year. And you're never going to get anywhere near the value that you would get for him. Ryan Ellis, does he even exist? I don't know if he exists, but... I don't know who this man is. I don't know who this man is, but when this man... The two, three games I saw him play were magnificent. So you're never getting a deal like him, like that for him again. So maybe we can get him some Lieutenant Dan magic legs and get him (laughs) back out there. But look, don't trade him. You know, it doesn't make any sense. With Couturier and Ellis, you know, knowing that the Flyers both made significant commitments to them, like with Ellis trading for him while he had six years on his contract and for with Couturier, I'm um, just signing him to an eight year deal. Like if you're another team and the Flyers try and trade him to you, these guys who are like 29 or 31 in Ellis's case, he's 30 or 31. If you're another team, the Flyers are trying to trade these guys for you right after they had this injury riddled season. I'm sitting here thinking, what do you know that I don't? So, like, even if they wanted to trade those guys, and based on what we know, there's no reason to believe they do. But even if they wanted to, they're not going. Um, Hart and Allison, or, you know, Hart, obviously, different case from Allison. Um, again, unless you know, uh, again, like, unless you know something behind the scenes that we don't, um, I don't see why you'd trade him. He's been good this year, not like Vesna level, but he's been good. Um, and Wade Allison, yeah, again, unless some team bowls you over with an offer, it says, like, we love this dude, and we'll give you, you know, two first round picks for him. Like you, you're not, you're probably not trading him because he's still, he's, the skill set there is good and fun and something that this team needs. So yeah, I, I don't disagree with any of these ultimately. Now this is the needs donkey sauce category, which means that, you know, these are guys that you could convince me to trade, but I, I, I'm not likely to, or I think the return just wouldn't even be worth the time and effort. So the guys I have listed here, I have Ivan Provorov, Travis Konechny, Joel Farabee, Oscar Lindblom, Travis Sanheim, Scott Lawton, Morgan Frost, Max Willman, Jerry Mayhew, and Nick Sealer. I mean, I would trade Nick Sealer in a heartbeat, but like, you're going to get like a can of Coke for him? So, so yeah, I mean, Nick Sealer, like, I forget what kind of contract he's on, but yeah, I mean, if you could get an asset, if a team honestly wants him, yeah, bye. And that's sort of the case for like the other tweeners, like your Wilmans and your Mayhews, though they're not, or 
mean, Mayhew is 29 years old. If you can get something for him, I mean, it, eh, I don't know. I could be convinced to keep him unless you get like a solid pick, which you won't. So yeah, at this point, like a seventh round pick isn't worth more to you than Jerry Mayhew based on what you've seen. Same idea with Max Wolman. Like he's, I'm, I'm not enamored with him, but like maybe there's something there. And, you know, sometimes even, even if there isn't at the NHL level, like it's clear he can be a good AHL player and there is value in that. Other games on this list are interesting. I don't think I realized Farabee wasn't in the first group, and maybe I'd bump him there. Farabee um, was again, the number one guy I consider if you get, in that first group. If you get group. bold over with an offer for him, like some team makes you a godfather offer for Joel Farabee, you would think about it, but I don't see I don't see a realistic timeline in which he's traded. I mean, he's under contract for the next six years. It's feasible. Like, even if they did there three to five year rebuild that they said they weren't going to do. You could feasibly have a Joel Farabee in his prime still playing well when that rebuild's done. I don't see, I don't see him getting moved. You got some, there are some other interesting names on here. Like this is, you know, this is the Hextall group. This is the group of guys drafted by Ron Hextall that we all thought were going to be a little better than they are. Holy shit. You're right. I didn't even realize that. Like I accidentally put together like all of Ron Hextall's draft picks. picks. Yep. Um, (laughs) Other than Scott Lawton, who, you know, if you, same idea. Like he, he's, you know, he tries hard. He's a good guy to have around when things are tough. I like but, Scott Lawton. Um, you not, can put I'm him in married like, to the guy. Yeah. yeah, you can put him in like anywhere in the lineup, and he's gonna play pretty well. But like, who cares if he gets traded? It's like if they if they weren't gonna trade him last year when he was on an expiring contract, I don't think they're gonna trade him now. No, no. But yeah. So the other names on here are interesting. Um, Ivan Provorov. Like, there's. There's been a little bit of talk about this. I don't think there have been an actual concrete rumors, but like Elliot Friedman made some comment about teams like or about something about Ivan Provorov. Nothing that suggested a trade was imminent or even like in the realm of likelihood. But but you know, like it was a name that had hadn't a, even crossed my mind before he mentioned right, it. Right. And like, you know, he's had a couple underwhelming years here now. Um, it's, it's been like 50, 50 in a given year, whether he looks like the guy, the flyers thought they were getting the draft or hasn't. And with that kind of guy, what do you do? Like, it's again, like if you think that his value is high, then yeah, you can, you, I can be convinced to deal that guy. Oh, for sure. And I, I really like Provy some days of the week, uh, some other days, namely when he's on the power play, I don't like him so much. (sighs) Yikes. And he's just not good there. Like, he's just, it's not a position for him. Please stop. Whoever the next head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers is, for the love of God, do not put Ivan Provorov on any power play units. I swear to God, if you do that, we will revolt and tear down the Wells Fargo Center. No, it won't happen. If it hasn't happened yet, it won't happen then. Sorry to the bagheads. But I just, (laughs) (laughs) Provorov is a guy that I hadn't really thought about trading until he came up in that. And then I'm like, I would do it at this point. Like I, 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 two years ago, wouldn't have fathomed it. And now I'm like, I think after seeing him with legitimate partners and clearly he needs those partners to succeed, I think I would consider it now because he's not the guy that elevates other people. He needs to be elevated by other guys. Yeah. A team could be convinced that playing next to the right guy, he's that dude. Uh, but the Flyers don't have that guy. So. Right. Well, they do, but he is just hurt all the time. He's right? he's de- he, he might not exist. He might be a mythological creature. I don't know. So interesting name on here for me is Travis Konechny, the jerk store himself, the jerk store's all-time bestseller, TK, we love him and we hate him. Well, I don't hate him, but I I feel like Konechny, on his best days, he's a rat, he's scoring, he's getting shots on, he's pissing off the other team, 
And I just don't feel like I see that Konechny very often, but he is also third on the team in scoring. I don't think I'm dealing Travis Konechny for like picks. I think if you're dealing him, it's in a hockey trade, you know? Yes, like for I agree. Completely. A winger that you for like another player of comparable status that you think may be a different fit in the locker room or something like that. Cause like, again, like I've seen people say, is he an NHL player? Like, is he, you know, he might be a third line winger and like, shut the fuck up. Like Travis Konechny <laughs> in, in here, let, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go use numbers and things like that. Like real advanced numbers, like points here. Hold on. So in Travis Konechny, six years in the uh, national hockey league, it's points per game, just like straight up. Is he, is he helping put the puck in the net? Um, I had it. Where was it? Um, here we go. Uh, 0. 0.4, 0. 0.58, 0. 0.6, 0. 0.92, 0. 0.68, and this current year, 0. 0.59. Um, that is at bare minimum, bare minimum second line winger production. And that's, you know, with what this team has been in the last couple of years. And, you know, he's spent a fair amount of time with Drew and Konechny. Absolutely. That, or Drew and Couturier. That absolutely helps. But, um, you know, he, he can play like he is an offensive producer in the national hockey league. And, if you think and if you want to just get rid of him right now, you're probably just doing it because you're mad. Maybe there might be a trade out there that makes sense, but I feel like trading him now is probably selling low in a way that yes shouldn't. Oh, absolutely. Like I, I really think unless you're trading for a significant player, it's not worth it. And I just don't see that happening. And I think that's ultimately why a lot of these guys fell into this middle tier for me, because I just either didn't think the return would be worth it or they're just good players that you're never going to get like the right value for. And one of the other guys I have listed here in a very similar category would be Travis Sanheim, where Travis Sanheim is <laughs> Travis Sanheim and Travis Konechny, the Travi, if you will, are, are so similar career trajectory wise. Although Sanheim, I feel like, has more legitimate haters. He's like Matt Carl, oh, yeah. Coburn, where people really think he is a shit defenseman. He suffers from JVR syndrome where he's big, or or Braden Coburn syndrome where he's big and skates fast, so people are annoyed that he doesn't use those things to their full advantage, which like you could hold against him, but like he's not a big hitter, even though he looks like he should be, and that frustrates people. And like also his defensive instincts aren't great. So like you know, he'll end up in situations similar to Risto where like he'll look at a position for a guy or on a play and a guy will get sneak past him and score. And people are like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Which is great to have them together. But he makes, oh, oh <laughs> no, like, like he makes good plays that people don't notice, especially with the puck on a stick. So like he, he is not without his positives as an NHL player, but like, you know, his current contract is probably like market value. Um, You could be talked. I could be talked into dealing him. Uh, in the right move, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it'll happen. Like, cause that's, it's what makes this whole exercise tough for anyone who isn't like an expiring guy that like their value seems like it's down. And he seems like one where it's like that too, though. A lot of, though I know some folks have been convinced that Rasmus for Salina made him better this year. So yes, that's an opinion that's floating out there, which is wild. To uh, me. It's a thing that people think. I, I, you know, I like Sanheim. I don't think he's he's great per se, but I think he is an above average defenseman. I think he's perfectly suited to the 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 pairing he's on, the second pairing, and uh, with the right partner. Any what what's Sanheim's current cap hit at? Uh, like four point six, I think. 
Yeah, a perfectly fine cap hit. You know, that honestly, it doesn't sound like a lot, but that million difference he makes from Risto, every little bit counts. And really, if you're paying a defenseman over five mil, he needs to be a good defenseman. So unless Mm -hmm. Risto Lyon is what his reputation is, uh, you know. I don't know if he's worth keeping uh, or paying more than what he's currently making. And I don't really think he's worth what he's currently making. But we've talked a lot about Ristolainen. At this no point. arguments there. The other guy from this group worth mentioning is Oscar Lindblom, who I really don't see any point in trading Oscar Lindblom. Uh, I think he's picked up his play of late and given everything he's been through, I think, you know, the road to recovery has been pretty long. And regardless of that, I just don't know if you're ever going to get a good return for Oscar Lindblom, at least at the point he's at currently. It just doesn't really make sense to me. Also, he has like quietly been producing lately, not a ton, but relative to the rest of the team. Like I think he at one, I remember checking during one of the recent games, like in the last, however many he was, I think the team's leader in five on five scoring. So like he is slowly starting, he is starting to get his legs back under him, which like, you know, I don't want to say like you would have hoped for more, but because like who the fuck am I to say that given what he's gone through? But, like who know? And it's it's tough to say like you know he may be one where I think you probably just keep him around and hope that you know you give him a little more time and what increasingly looks like it's you know going to be some low risk games that the rest of the way this year and hope that he you know something re you know rekindles for him. But you know with any as with anyone else on here like with the right offer you let him go, but. I don't I don't know if that offer is going to come. Right. And I don't so I, I'd, I'd be more than willing to keep him around. Yeah, absolutely. So that brings yeah. us to our last tier here. It's just the, the trip to Flavortown. And these are all the guys that I am willing to trade, would love to trade tomorrow, frankly, if I could. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of these guys I'm going to differ on more so than other ones. But like for the most part, I would ship these guys out tomorrow for the right deal. So let's let's talk let's talk about the UFAs first. Um, let's because they're the rest are kind of a different category. Claude Giroux, Justin Braun, Martin Jones, Keith Yandel, Rasmus Ristolainen, uh, Derek Broussard, and I think Patrick Brown, Zach McEwen, and Kevin Connaughton are all on one year deals. Yeah. Um, those last three guys, if you can get anything for them, bye. Like I know Zach McEwen's become a bit of a of a cult hero around here, but like I'm not convinced he's a good NHL player. Like there is a reason the Vancouver Canucks waived him. You got all three of those guys from waivers. So, yeah. frankly, if you can get a seventh round pick. And you get literally anything for any that, of them. That's a nice Bye. return on investment right there. Yeah. So, your other your other rentals, Claude Drew, talked about that. Um, You know, seems like it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, Just Martin Jones, we talked about. Ristolainen, we've talked about. Keith Yandel, again, like if you can get anything for him, by Justin Braun is the only one of these we haven't talked about. And I feel like... You know, I mean, the Flyers gave up a two and when they traded for him, they gave up a two and a three for one year of him. He is a defensively responsible right hand shot defenseman who, you know, has playoff experience. You can get some stuff for that dude. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And this is a guy I've really turned the corner on because when we first got Braun, we had the reputation from Sharks fans that he's a piece of shit. He's terrible. (laughs) And I certainly have gone through phases where I thought he's just so abysmally slow and I've really just come to just think he is perfectly fine. He is a perfectly fine, ideally second, third pairing defenseman who actually can be capable on the, the top pairing if you really need him to be. And he's defensively responsible. He's smart with the puck. I like Justin Braun. And yeah, you're right. He's got playoff experience. I think he's a very valuable piece. And I think you really could do well trading him. I mean, if you can get a second or third, great. You got to deal that, dude. 
like, you know, all in all, solid deal for Chuck Fletcher. Like, for that one. That one. I'll give him that one. Would you say, would you say that Justin Braun is the Flyers' second best trade piece after Claude Giroux right now? Well, I guess maybe um, Risto. Risto. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so Risto. it would be G, Risto, and then maybe Braun. I think so, yeah. In terms of people that look likely to get dealt, yes. Because everyone else here is like, you know, sort of a throwaway. It, outside of, well, yeah. Well, let's talk about these other guys here. James Van Riemsdyk, Um I reluctantly put JVR on here. And I only put I JVR on here because no. I don't think you're trading him. I like JVR. Um, I think he's probably been better than his numbers this year would lead you to think. No one's given stuff up for a $7 million cap hit with that guy. Like, if no. it didn't happen last summer, it's not going to happen this summer when he's yeah. been – when his counting stats have been worse. Like, it just won't. No, it's not going to happen, but, it's, you know, if if somebody came along and wanted him, I wouldn't object. And I, I like JVR, but no. if the Kraken didn't want him for free. I still think he's a net positive player, but, like, you can't – but it's – it. yeah, I don't – like, if you could deal him last summer when he – when his value was higher – I don't think you're going to be able to deal them now. Granted, only one year beyond this one, but a $7 million cap hit in this environment's a lot. Yeah. Well, I, I, I kind of looked at the buyout calculator for him earlier today, which I'm a little it's not terrible. to admit, but it's not terrible. And if I remember looking at to... it when they signed that deal and thinking, like, if you have to buy him out after four, the fifth year, ain't like, it ain't bad. Yeah. And you, you it, don't want to do it, but it ain't bad. My main thing is if, like, a free agent, like a Johnny Hockey or somebody comes up in the offseason, which I don't want to get too excited over that because right. don't get the hope is what kills you, right? JVR is probably getting bought out if like it comes down to it for, you know, yep. having a free agent of that caliber. So the next guy I have here is Kevin Hayes, who I also acknowledge due to that $7 million cap hit. And also his injuries currently is likely not getting traded, but let's say no. he was healthy and somebody said, I want Kevin Hayes. Yes, sir. Sign yeah, me you're, up. Unless you're re- retaining a ton of salary, that just isn't going to happen. And at that point, like, is it worth it? Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. What, I don't know what his buyout looks like. I, I'm not saying buy him out tomorrow or even after this year. But like, you know, I don't. That's something they'd have to weigh. Like if someone came to you and said, we'll take Hayes if you give us money or if you, you know, retain some money. But also he's hurt like he's not playing this he i think there's a pretty good chance he doesn't play again this year or like oh i guess i shouldn't say that but like i mean it may not be the worst thing in the world if he doesn't play again this year they might shut down katoria and hayes at this point and i agree with both moves yeah i mean also down also i just want kevin hayes to catch a goddamn break i know man a single break brutal year for that man and his family it i feel for him i feel for him yeah yeah so next guy on this list here is one that I also reluctantly put on here, and that would be one Cam Atkinson, who I adore Cam. I think Cam is the maybe the most fun thing about the Flyers this year. I think he's been a breath of fresh air. I think he's been just everything the fans have wanted in a guy who just fires away, and he's got a great attitude. I don't want to trade Cam, but Cam, that contract, he's got a few years left, pretty decent cap hit. If somebody wanted Cam, I would listen. Yeah. You know, him, Farabee, and Drew are pretty much the only guys where, like, when they're on the ice, I think something good might happen. Uh, and, and Gerald, of course. It's it's not a great cap hit, or it's not a great contract. Like, the cap hit isn't is actually totally fine for what he is now, but, you know, he'll you know, he'll be in his mid-30s when that ends. And guys like, like volume shooters, the cliff comes fast for them. So, like, he fortunately doesn't seem like he's quite hit it yet. But you just never know. Now, I mean, if, again, if they think they're going to contend next year, I can't imagine them like dealing him for parts. 
but who knows? Yeah. I mean, I think all in all, he's, you know, I'd be sad to see him go, though I'd understand it, but I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen either. I, I really think they're going to have to keep some goodwill with the fans once they trade Claude Giroux, and he instantly jumps to the top of the list as, like, most popular flyer at that point. Which is wild, because we, we've we had the least amount of time to hate him. Yeah, oh, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Oh, you know what? The guy plays defense. Yeah, he does. He tries. He tries, man. You he know tries. he fucking tries. Hey, he can score a shorthanded goal. Not everybody can do that on this team. Mm-mm. And he doesn't pass the puck into the net. He doesn't. He actually wildly shoots it in from any angle he can find. It's it's. Oh, wow. Like, Claude Giroux took a note out of his book the other day against the Islanders and fired it in from, like, the side. And <laughs> it ended up in there. That was fun. He's been a great influence on Claude. Claude's been firing away. He's having a, a great year this year, and he's scoring more goals than I can ever remember him scoring. Um, Let's see. So who else we got? We talked about the three waiver guys. Uh, Derek, Derek Broussard. Derek Broussard. Yeah, if you can get if you can get a pick for him, go nuts. Is he playing right now? Is he hurt? I, I haven't. I, what's I up feel with Derek like Broussard? I've I feel like, you know, he's he's missed stretches here and there with injuries. And I feel like I come back and I don't notice whether he's or he comes back and I don't really notice, which like feels unfair because it seems like he's already met realistic expectation for what you could get from a guy you got for eight hundred thousand dollars in August. Well, especially considering how he started the season, where he was one of the most notable flyers for like the first three weeks. I would have no feelings at all if he got traded. <laughs> yeah, he is I an agree. acceptable bottom six NHLer at this point. Yeah, eleven points in nineteen games. Um. Oh, he. Okay. Jesus Christ. He has played twice since November twenty third. So. <laughs> yeah. He he played. Yeah, he played against on November twenty third against Tampa. Um, then he played next on December 8th against the Devils. Then he played on January 6th against Pittsburgh. He has not played since. Yep, that'll do it. Oh my God. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but yeah, if you can trade him, do. Oh yeah, for sure. Now, is there anybody I'm missing here? I don't, I think I covered most of the bases. Um, they're not trading Cam York. Oh yeah, I forgot. So Cam York's totally in the first category here. Oh yeah, yeah. They're not trading him. Got it down. And I can't think of anyone else. Okay, so Cam York... He's not going anywhere. That's pretty much it. Let's really get in the nitty gritty. Let's talk about the germ. Let's talk about Felix Sandstrom. No, we don't (laughs) need to talk about all those guys. Uh, We'll talk about how they, you know, they'll find Andy Walensky. They'll trade him. They won't trade him. We're still waiting for him. What's Chris Stewart up to? Like, let's find out. (sighs) Someone, someone retired recently that was a flyer. Okay. I don't know. That could be anyone. That's not helpful. (laughs) Um, Am I like thinking of Brandon Brooks retiring yesterday? What is wrong with me? <laughs> it was Jody Hall. Ah, uh, Jody Shelley. Jody, yeah, Jody Shelley. No, Go get Jody Shelley. What's he? Well, he's like calling games for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, I think he's been doing that for like sixty. For like years oh, like since he retired, pretty much. He's yeah, been doing pretty it. much. Oh, seems like he's Jody. actually pretty good at that. Honest, from what I've gathered. If, yes, I've actually watched a couple of their broadcasts. I worked NHL TV for a year, and yep, I watched yep, yep. them, and he did a good job. He's, it's a mm. nice second career for it. He's a like lot a good of those dude. goons have done a, a good job for themselves. Do you, in their... do you, wait, one of my favorite Jody Shelley things to talk about. Do you, so the San Jose Sharks, like a long time ago, released a series of, of commercials saying that like <laughs> – that like one of their it has it's a you know a commercial showing one of their players attempting to do another job and um and they're they're terrible at it like i I don't remember what some of the other ones were but uh let me see if i can find this there's a lousy and like one of them is 
is a Jody Shelley trying to be a mechanic. Oh, and yeah. um, and I don't know if you've seen this commercial. No, but, uh, it, all right. I'm, I'm going to send you this commercial right now, because why not? Why not? I've considered cutting the entire rest of the show anyway. So those of you at home, you can Google Jody Shelley is a lousy mechanic is this commercial. Okay. Let's watch uh, let's, a little game of we haven't done this in a while. Steve watches stuff. We'll turn down the <laughs> Verbo commercial that's coming up. Uh, I, gotta lo- I love products and services. Oh, but yeah, so so they do all these commercials for all. The- you're, you're watching it now. I am watching it now. Want to try it again? It's pretty good too. I don't know about that now either. <laughs> so the great thing about this video. As I think one of the top comments points that, or okay, so this is I guess a different one that's uploaded, but it's an old one, like in some old version of this. Like it just shows him, um, I it's you know it says Jody Shelley's last mechanic. He's a great hockey player, and the highlight is just him skating up the ice. That's it. <laughs> and like all the other ones, it's like Logan Gator is terrible at this, but he's a great hockey player, and it like shows him scoring a goal, and like Jody yeah. Shelley shows him skating. Up the ice. Okay, this one had Jody Shelley beating the shit out of some guys, so that's. At least it showed him doing his number one skill. <laughs> oh, oh man, th- that's good. That's a good one. I have not Jody seen Shelley that is a lousy mechanic, and like, that's good, great good, because good commercials, good content, good good yeah. content. The San Jose Sharks. Well, it shows Shelley like just throwing a bunch of parts in the engine, like frustrated, like ah, which I enjoyed. Uh, Jody Shelley, what a flyer he was. I hope Jody Shelley's doing well. Anyways, anyways, so uh, the rest of this show, I really didn't want to. There's just a couple league-wide things I wanted to talk about, and then I had a bunch of notes at the bottom, but I, I'm i going to be up till, like, 4 a.m. if I do all of this. And you don't need that. I don't need that. So No, I don't think we need to go through more talking about Ron Hextall. We no, really we absolutely do not. We've talked about Ron enough for the rest of time. So I just wanted to briefly talk about the NHL's COVID policy changing and just another atrocious incident in the league. And then we will yep. call it a day. But first, let's talk about the COVID policy. So this is a tweet from Frank Saravalli from, I think it was last week. Uh, sources tell Daily Faceoff that NHL will no longer test asymptomatic players and staff following the All-Star break. Provided COVID-19 rates continue to decline around the league, testing will only then be for cross-border travel as required and if symptoms arise. NHL told teams that 73% of the league's rosters have tested positive this season and approximately 60% have tested positive in the last five weeks. Current protocol remains in place until February 3rd. NHL and NHLPA must meet and review reported protocol changes on January 31st. So it is currently the 27th when we're recording this, so they will be meeting and reviewing the reported protocol changes on the 31st. Uh, my take on this, the NHL is basically saying, fuck it. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, you really just got to hope that the fact that, you know, a lot of people have had it. Again, it says 73% of the league is tested positive. Like, you just got to hope that's going to keep it from getting much worse. And, you know, more importantly, you just hope it doesn't, you know, as we talked about when the last last time I was on, like, you hope that nobody who gets this that isn't, you know, an able-bodied man in their 20s or 30s has a real adverse reaction to it. Like, you really just got to hope that, I mean, you know, you know, cross your fingers and hope for the best, knowing that for the last two years we've kind of been doing that and it hasn't worked. Um, you just, again, the fact that it's tore through so much of the league, like, wasn't great 
you just really hope that that means that that's the worst of what it's going to be. And like, definitionally it almost has to be, but you want, but like you still would rather know when folks have it. And I don't love it. And again, like it's an indoor cold sport, like guys are breathing on each other, like more than they are. in you know, an outdoor sport, like in a football, um, I know you know that the NBA did similar things recently, you know, slightly easier to space out there, but not it's not great. Yeah, I mean, they can even space out like they can space out chairs on the bench and stuff like they can yep. have you can sit in a chair further away from the other guys where the NHL, you are on that tight, cramped bench right next to each other. And there's no way to get around that. There's no way to fix that. It is what it is. And I get that a lot of the guys in the league were frustrated with the policies and, you know, I mean, frankly, it's a, a complete either. You're talking about what Carter Hart said. Yeah. Um, we talked about what Carter talked, Hart said. We, I don't think we ever talked about what Ivan Provorov said, like, and his comments were worse. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not, we don't even, we don't even need to go into that. There's certainly like a, a lack of knowledge about how COVID works based on what they're hearing, because the thing is, I read the whole fucking WHO definition of what asymptomatic means for this. You know, if you're asymptomatic, you can still spread it, right? It's just not as likely to spread, but you can still spread it. So that's why they test you if you're asymptomatic. So, But, uh, you know, if the league, if the Players Association says yes to saying fuck it, let's just play. And if guys are sick, they'll be out. And if not, they'll be, you know... That's the player's decision at that point. And if they feel comfortable, I just hope the rest of the team's staff is taking the proper precautions. And I, I sure as shit hope that the players are respecting the staff around them and yep. taking the proper precautions. Absolutely. Like that's, you know, it, it's been, you know, one of the, one of the strangest, it's hard to put into words like throughout all of this, like indifference towards this stuff can almost certainly mean nothing for you. And like, you may not even notice, but you also never know who it's going to affect, you know, like it, it could get spread from four, like from you to four different people where someone who is, you know, really vulnerable to it gets really sick or God forbid dies. And like, there's no way for us to know that kind of thing happens and you just really got to hope it doesn't. But yeah, I mean, fuck again, all these, so many of these guys have got it. So they're probably in a decent position themselves. Just got to hope that, doesn't get worse. Yeah, man, that's that's <sighs> been our life for just about two years at this point. Good lord. Yeah, yeah. Good times. Right? Anyways, good times. Uh, what's next on the? Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about one more just horrifically upsetting thing, and let's talk about the Jordan Subban, Jacob Panetta, Panetta incident right here. So Jordan Subban of the ECHL's South Carolina Stingrays, Jordan being brother of PK. Uh, accused Jacksonville Iceman defenseman Jacob Panetta of making racist gestures towards him during a game on Saturday. According to Subban, Panetta made monkey gestures towards him during a skirmish that took place in overtime. Panetta was suspended indefinitely by the ECHL following the incident pending a hearing, and Jacksonville cut Panetta afterwards. This was per a CBS Sports article on the incident. Uh, I believe today was officially announced that he was suspended by the ECHL for the season. Great kick him out of the league entirely and kick him out of hockey because this piece of shit does not deserve to ever play the sport again. I cannot believe how many racist incidents I have talked about on this show in, you know, I've been doing the show a while, but not long enough that I should have had to talk about 
more than one racist incident happening in the sport. It just keeps happening and it's just so disgusting. Another just totally disgusting thing from another piece of garbage. And uh, PK Subban came out and he tweeted, uh, they don't call the East Coast League the jungle because my brother and the other black players are the monkeys. Hey, Jacob Panetta, you shouldn't be so quick to delete your Twitter or your Instagram account. You will probably be able to play again. That's what history says, but things. So you just... Ugh. The shit that these guys have to deal with is just so abysmal, and I can't believe there's another incident. It's and, just... like, that that sentiment from Subban, and if you haven't watched his comments, um, if you haven't, you know, watched his comments from, I believe, after, I don't remember when those were, but after a game the other day, um, he, you know, spoke about it. Um, I'd encourage you to watch those. But, like, the, the words there are just, like, you know, speaking as we are as two, you know, white men on a hockey podcast. So please don't listen to us for this. But like, you know, reading him say that saying like, you know, you'll probably be able to play again. Like, it's just a gut punch of a reminder. Like these people, you know, people like PK Subban, you know, black, you know, black hockey players, like black hockey players around, you know, the country, around the nation, around the continent, around the world. Like they've been going through this for as long as they've been involved in hockey, like days after Willie O'Ree has his number retired for the Boston Bruins, this happens. And it just, and like to see PK Subban say that, like, you know, you'll, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. It's what happens. Like it's a gut punch of a reminder, like what they've had to go through and how much more ground still has to be made up here. And like, you know, the ECHL suspending him for the season. Like that's, you know, a good start like that's you know a step forward it's certainly more than i'm sure they would have done recently you could argue whether that's enough or not but i mean i'm glad that they at least seem to want to take it seriously but yeah i mean it that can't happen it and the fact and it does like it's clearly not out of the game and as long as the sport is what it is with um you know an overwhelmingly white population these kinds of things are going to have to be weeded out the hard way yeah yeah, they're absolutely going to have to be weeded out the hard way. The hard way, and I just want to see harsh the hammer thrown down on these guys because that's the only way they're going to learn. And I mean, they ain't learning. I mean, it was just a few weeks ago, right, that we talked about the issue overseas. I forget which uh, country it was, unfortunately, but you know, too recent that something just happened. Yeah, and it's just it's so abysmal. It's just it's not only just awful and upsetting but it's embarrassing it's embarrassing for me as a, a fan of the sport to be a fan of a sport that just so often has these disgusting things happen you know i, I just it, it makes me sick it makes me violently ill to think about that and it's just fucked up it's really upsetting and you know i'm I'm glad that it has sparked the outrage that it has and that people want to take this seriously and people seem to be taking this seriously, but you know, it's it, the sport needs to be a place where you just can't fucking do that. Cause it's not a thing that happens in other sports. Like it just in it doesn't. Know, other prominent sports in this country. It just isn't. It just isn't. It, it's it, hockey. This keeps happening. 
and just it, 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 I don't know. I, I'm out of words. I have to keep addressing this shit on the show because it just keeps happening and it's just it's embarrassing and disgusting. I cannot take it. Be better. Be better for the love of God. And I saw Anson Carter briefly on TNT uh, late last night talking about it and, and just had some powerful words that I don't know if those are online anywhere, but, you know, he's comparing the crowd to a lynch mob because just, you know, goading the guy on because that's it's like the fact that Anson Carter has to say stuff like that, you know, to see, he's seeing stuff in those in that light is just so just awful and pk suban is just like completely just like yeah he'll still be in hockey no problem like he because he's disillusioned because he's seen this shit over and over and what wayne simmons has seen and now jordan suban and just sucks i hate it i hate these racist garbage people that are doing this to these guys that just want to go out and play hockey it's why 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 do you have to be like that Game's going to be a better place when people don't think they can do that. Yep. Come down hard on these people and do not allow these racists to ruin this game any further. Yep. Well said, my man. Yeah. Well, the one thing I didn't bring up this week to just end it on a light note is uh, we're, we we haven't watched the new Scream yet, but while we're watching through, one of the Scream movies had a Creed poster in the background. So, <laughs> this this is not on the outline for those of you wondering at home what steve's talking about is not on the outline i was like where's he going with this okay okay yeah it had a couple oh. creed songs and had a creed poster on the wall and i'm like good lord they really creeded up this movie right here it was i think the uh it was the islanders game last week where they um where they were in they were in the Islanders new barn for the first time. And it was like a tie game in the third period. There was Creed just blasting in like in this arena. And I'm like, all right, something's about to happen. I just don't know what. What was the Marlins song? The Marlins will soar. Yeah. <laughs> which, oh, Albert, oh, which Albert remixed to be the Flyers will soar. Is that right? <gasps> have you not heard this? Oh, I'm not oh, sure I find have. This. You got to find this audio. It if might you be can lost. find this for me, I will. It might put be this... lost in the archives of our Slack fault of our Slack files because sometimes like actual files get get purged out of there, and Al's Twitter account's probably been banned like five times in the last several years. So I don't Kurt, know if that's you... ever. If you can find this for me by the time I finish editing the episode, I will put this at the end where the fly purple or fly purple song used to be at the end. Okay, I will put that oh at boy. the very uh, end. I, I don't know if I can find it, but I'll ask Al. Um, all right. Okay, cool. That's a, that's, a, that's a worthy challenge. You've got your mission, and this is all because I happened to rewatch the Scream movies, and Creed was prominently featured, and I think it was Scream 2, the one on college. In college. Scream goes to college. That's what the movie was actually called, a scream ghost face goes to college. Animal House Scream Vacation. Yeah, that's that's actually the screenplay I'm working on currently. I would watch the hell out of that. <laughs> We're on wide open. Ugh, it's late. We got to go. Yeah, we've been talking a lot. We have, but as about the- this team somehow, well, some. Kind of about this team. <laughs> in the words of a guy who's no longer in the NFL playoffs, sorry, not sorry. Folks, 
Thanks so you much. Had that one percolating all episode. I had that percolating. I forgot about percolating. Percolating's so good. Oh, oh um, while we're here, also to end on a lighter note, congratulations to longtime fly per- or longtime temporary fly properly host Eamon Smith, who is working with the Nashville Predators for the rest of this year. Woo! That's awesome. Great news for Eamon. Young Eamon is growing up. I'm going to cry a little bit. Oh, that's... We joke, but like that dude works his ass off and like, he he, he'll, he'll be he'll he'll be great. He, like he will be great. We're, we're very excited for him, even though he will, you know, obviously not be hanging around our site as much for the next few months. 69 hours a day, 420 days a year. He's working his ass off. <laughs> that's the sex number. That's the sex number and the weed number. That's uh, oh. that's aiming for you. But no, that's I mean, it's awesome. <laughs> he does work his ass off and he's just uh, the, the guy has earned everything. So he is uh, congrats to Eamon and best of luck to him. And we'll talk to him soon. But and how and and how. Well, at least he doesn't have to talk about the Flyers for a while. Living the truly living the dream. Truly, he's been freed from this orange and black prison. <laughs> from my orange and black prison. All right, we gotta go. <laughs> we gotta go. Oh, I could do this all night. All right, folks, if you have any feedback, the plus all right, the, 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 the be- yeah, I know, I know. Okay. <laughs> the best place is on twitter.com.org.edu.ca. I could do this all day. You can reach Kurt. On Twitter at Kurt BSH. Kurt, you working on anything for Broad I Street Hockey? I could do this all day. <laughs> <laughs> Roger, the musical. Hawkeye was good. Hawkeye was fun. I love Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Yeah. Um, some stuff that we talked about, like in this, I want to, you know, the Flyers say they want to contend. I'm trying to take an honest look on what it would earnestly require for that to happen. Spoiler alert. It ain't great. But yeah, you know, we're just trying to, just trying to make it through here. Chipping in on the side. They can't do this all day. <laughs> I know, I know. I know, I know. All right. Well, Kurt is a Kurt PSH. You can reach me at Flyperbole or at Esteban Buttofs for Hockey. Make it Flyperbole. Follow BSH Radio. Follow Broad Street Hockey. And Flyperbole's on Instagram and Broad Street Hockey's on there. And I think Broad Street Hockey's on TikTok and all that fun social media. Oh, wow. Folks, thank you so much for listening. We truly appreciate it. Be kind to one another. Be safe, wash your damn hands, wear your damn mask, and until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. Wow, 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 Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. You mean the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. New New episodes of Fly on the Wallin drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallin wherever you get your podcasts. 
What is up, Astros fans? This is Jeff Balke and my partner, former Astro Jeff Blum from the Believe in Astros podcast to tell you baseball is back and we've got your world champion Houston Astros covered. Every week we go inside the clubhouse, break down the games, discuss the players and give you everything you need to know about the Houston Astros baseball organization with special guests and a few surprises all summer and into the postseason. So tune in to the Believe in Astros podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V on Apple. Spotify, YouTube, and everywhere you get your podcasts, go Astros.